Hello, I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And in this series, we're seeing that there's a twofold experience of the Holy Spirit within us and upon us. At salvation, God blesses us with the Spirit within us for ourselves, for our life of fellowship with God, for our holiness and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. But secondly, God also wants to bless us by making us a blessing through His Spirit upon us so that we have the power to communicate life and blessing to others. And so this is the purpose of the baptism in the Spirit. Last time we saw that once we've received His Spirit upon us, we are carriers of that power and we can release the blessing and power of God through speaking His words. So two things are necessary. We must first have God's Word in our heart and be willing to share it. And second, we must have His Spirit upon us to empower our words and make them effectual. Jesus is our perfect example of this two-stage experience of the Spirit because first He had the Spirit within Him from birth that, and He lived a perfectly holy life, but He didn't have the power to preach, to heal, to do miracles uh, until He was 30 when He was uh, on as about to enter his ministry, then he received the Spirit upon him when he was baptized in water, and he dedicated himself to God to fulfill the mission that God had for him. And then God ordained him, sent him, empowered him for this ministry by giving him the Spirit upon. And this was his baptism in the Spirit. He was anointed with power to bless others, and we read about that in Acts 10.38, which says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about using that power, doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Those words are important. God was with him. That refers to the anointing of the Spirit upon him that we read about earlier in the verse. That's, that's how God was with him. God worked with him as he spoke words as he prayed for people, God's power flowed through him. Jesus' life gives us an example that shows that after salvation and receiving the Spirit within us, we also need to be baptized in water and in the Holy Spirit and so receive the Spirit upon us so that we might be empowered to glorify him through our witness. Then, uh, in Jesus' life, through his death and resurrection, and ascension, he then made the full twofold blessing, the promise of the Spirit, available to all of us through faith. You see, in his death he took the curse of sin for us so that we might receive the full blessing of the Spirit within and upon us. As Galatians says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see, he purchased the blessing of the Spirit, and then after his resurrection, he received the Spirit on our behalf in order to pour him out upon us. We saw that uh, he ascended on the morning of the resurrection, and he told Mary, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and to your God. By these words... He was signifying that in the new covenant, he is our representative who brings us into the same relationship with God and the same twofold blessing of the Spirit as he himself. And just at that moment, just after saying those words, 
he accomplished this by ascending into heaven, presenting himself to God as the first fruits offering, as our representative to be accepted by God on our behalf. He also sprinkled his blood in the heavenly holy of holies, fully establishing the new covenant in heaven. He also appeared before the Father to receive the Holy Spirit on our behalf. And he also received all authority in heaven on earth, including the Holy Spirit, including the authority to pour out the Holy Spirit upon us. And then later that day, he, that's why he was able to start giving the Holy Spirit. First of all, he did it by giving the Spirit within us. That's the first blessing. That's what happened in John 20. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So Jesus is sending us on the same mission. And because it's the same mission, therefore we need the same twofold blessing of the Spirit. And so we started imparting the Spirit right then and there by giving the first blessing. It says, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. That's when they were born again and they received the Spirit of God within them. And this is the first and necessarily the foundational part of the blessing of the Spirit. Because you can't be baptized in the Spirit until you've first been born again. The Spirit within is foundational. It must come first. The first blessing is what brings you into God's kingdom. That has to come before being empowered to be his ambassador. And that's what the second blessing is all about. Therefore, most of Jesus' teaching up to that point including at the Last Supper, was focused on preparing them to receive the Spirit within. But as soon as they had received this first blessing, on the evening of the resurrection, he started to prepare them to receive the second blessing, the Spirit upon them, that was due to happen 50 days later on the day of Pentecost. And so the, author so the apostles received the Spirit within on the evening of the resurrection, but they had not yet received the Spirit upon them, and so we immediately started to prepare them and teach them on this so that they would be ready to receive their baptism in the Spirit when they would receive this power for their ministry. So the very same evening in Luke 24, Jesus went on to talk about their mission and the power that he would give them to fulfill that mission. It says, he said, thus it is written and it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. He says, that's your mission to be my witnesses of Christ and his resurrection, his death and resurrection. And then he says, having given them a mission, he then promises them he'll give them the power to fulfill the mission. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. That's the Spirit upon them. They already had the Spirit within them. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or literally clothed with power from on high. And so when you put on a cloak, that's the Spirit upon you. He immediately, you see, introduced them to their mission. As soon as they were born again. He introduced them to their mission, the Great Commission, and he told them that they must receive his power in order to fulfill it. And that's the second blessing. So they'd re already received the first blessing, but they needed to also receive the Spirit upon them to empower them to preach Christ, to be a witness. And during the 40 days, he gave them their mission in greater detail. For example, uh, in, in uh, a week later, when he uh, met with um, uh, Thomas, T 
Thomas was there in John 20, and so they were all, all the 11 were, were now there. Uh, Mark tells us what, what he said on that occasion. It says, Later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at table, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So again, the commission to preach the gospel. And then he describes the power that would be released as they preach the gospel. Um, well, he says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who doesn't believe will be condemned. But then he describes the power. These signs, these supernatural signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. It says they will lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover and so forth. So notice this. After the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the signs following. But actually that word them is, is added. It actually says that as they preached, the Lord worked with and confirmed the word with signs following. So in other words, they had the power of God on them and they released it, that power, and that power went forth with their words. And so the Lord worked with them and confirmed with, sorry, worked with their words and confirmed their words supernaturally. And so again, we see the Great Commission and the power that God gives to us that we can release through our words. So notice the mission and the promise of supernatural power, that is God working with them. God working through their words. God works with them and he works with us only as we fulfill the Great Commission and speak. So first they must receive the power, then we need to go in faith believing that as we speak, God's power upon us will be released, along with our words, that the Lord will work with our words. Then later in Galilee he appeared to them again, and Matthew 28 records his words on that occasion. He said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And notice this, here is the power. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, that, the promise of the power is in the words, I am with you. Remember Acts 10.38? It says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, went about doing good, healing all who are uh, oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So this isn't talking generally that God is with us. Yes, he is. But this is talking about the power of God working through us, God with us, the anointing of God with us, flowing through us as we preach the gospel. And he says, if you go and you preach the gospel and you make disciples and you obey me in that, then you will experience my presence and my power going with you. I will empower your words. I will back you up as you go in my name. And so if you want to experience God's power working through you, you have to reach out with the gospel. You have to share the gospel. You have to make disciples. Then you will know the power of the Spirit upon you being activated and released through you. Then at the end of the 40 days, we see in the book of Acts, just before he ascended to heaven, uh, he again gave them instructions. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. He'd been talking about this from the, from the day of his resurrection. For, God, for John truly baptized in water, but you will be baptized or immersed in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
And that's what was going to happen at Pentecost. They were going to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then he describes what this baptism in the Spirit actually means. It's the promise of the Father. And he says in verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the baptism of the Spirit is the Spirit upon you. And it's to empower you to be his witnesses. Because he said, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So the power is power to be a witness. And as we witness, we release that power. Then nine days later, on the day of Pentecost, they received the Spirit upon them. It says, on the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat or rested upon each of them, upon them, notice, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit gave them the words. So notice the the two stages. The apostles received the Spirit within them on the evening of the resurrection, and they received the Spirit upon them 50 days later at Pentecost. Well, one of the great pictures of witnessing and sharing the gospel is shining the light of Christ. You see, the whole world is under the power of darkness, and that the greatest need that the world has is for us to shine the light of the gospel. And that's what Jesus did. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life within him. He said, I come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Then Jesus calls us to to shine our light into this dark world. He said, you are the light of the world. And this is a command to preach the gospel. There is a common false teaching out there that we can shine the light of Christ without even opening our mouths because we can witness to Christ apparently by just living moral lives and doing good works. This gives us an excuse to disobey Christ's command to speak for him in sharing the gospel and discipling believers. I want to prove that you can only shine the light by your words. This is something quite different from doing good works, which which are also important. Our witness is by definition verbal, but our works are also important because they back up our witness, giving us credibility. A witness in a trial necessarily gives verbal testimony, otherwise he's not being a witness at all. But when a witness testifies, his credibility is also tested to see if he is a trustworthy witness worth listening to. And that's where the good works come in. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill um, cannot be hidden. We we should join our lights together in unity. Uh, Neither do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but high up on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. And so we must not hide our light, our witness. We must shine it. That's what it's all about. This, there is a common confusion between our witness and our works. And this comes from a misinterpretation of verse 16, where Jesus said, Let your light, your witness, so shine before men, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. What they glorify because they accept your witness and they believe in Christ, and that brings glory to God. And so from that, they assume that our good, our light is our good works. 
that the shining of our light is the same thing as our doing good works. In other words, the false idea is that we shine our light by doing good works. And then that makes our verbal witness unnecessary, or an optional extra, or at least something secondary to our good works. But this cannot be so, because obeying the Great Commission must be the primary thing. And our good works must be the secondary thing, for they back up our witness. You see, it's all about Christ, not about us. What he has done, not about what we do. And also, Christ tells us to shine our light before men. But a few verses later in Matthew 6, he tells us to not do good works to be seen by men. In other words, letting our light shine before men must be a different thing to doing good works. So why doesn't Jesus make this distinction clearly? Simply because it was obvious to those listening who knew the Old Testament scriptures that uh, you shine the light through your words and that your works are to complement this. And, and I'll give you some scriptures that, that, that show this from the Old and New Testament. So what's Jesus saying here? First of all, he's saying, you are the light of the world. In other words, if you are saved, you have the light of Christ within you, and you have the ability to shine your light by testifying to Christ. And then, in verse 16, he commands us to shine our light before men. That is witness to Christ and his ability to trans transform their lives. And, and we do that with our words. But he also points out that when we do this, they will automatically inspect your life and your works to see if you have credibility. If they should listen to you. And so it does also emphasize the importance of our good works because they need to see the life-changing reality of Christ in us. They don't expect to see perfection but they want to see some reality because if Christ is in us that's got to make some kind of difference. Uh, if you are not living a holy life your sin will undermine your witness. It will be like a noise drowning it out. And so if we shine the light of the gospel and then they see that backed up by a consistent love, life of love and good works, they will be then inspired to believe our witness and receive Christ and glorify God. When they believe and love and glorify God as a result of our witness, then that brings glory to God. And that is our fulfillment of our purpose in this age, to gather us a harvest of souls for, for God who are saved from hell and have eternal life. And so if someone asks, do I witness by my life or my lip, lips? I would say it's like asking what's more important, the left wing or the right wing of an aeroplane. Both are vital. If we witness to Christ with our lips but our life is unholy, they will reject our witness and it will even bring reproach on Christ. On the other hand, if all we do is good works but never glorify Christ with our lips, then we will get all the glory, not Christ. And men will speak well of us, but they won't glorify God. So we are to glorify God through our life, life and through our lips. So God commands us to witness with our lips, but also live in such a way that our lifestyle fits our words. So people will pay attention to our words. In other words, good works are a supplement, but not a substitute for our witness with our words. Let your light shine means open your mouth. And this tells us what happens in the spiritual realm when we witness. We literally shine. We glorify God for the power of the Spirit radiates out of us whether we feel it or realize it or not.
This shining is the power of the Spirit going forth as we speak his word. Remember that light always overcomes darkness because it's more powerful. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. In the face of darkness, the answer is to shine the light of God's word, his gospel. Otherwise, the darkness will prevail. And that's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I don't keep my mouth shut. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. You see, to be ashamed of something is, is to be quiet about it. But we, we are not ashamed. We must proclaim the gospel. Otherwise, they remain in the darkness. It's only by sharing the gospel that we release the light and the power of God to them by which they can be saved. It's only by us shining that light that they can believe and receive salvation. Daniel 12.3 talks about this language as well. Those who are wise, remember those who win the souls are wise, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness by their words shall shine like the stars forever and ever. See, this parallelism shows that we shine by turning people to God. Notice how the eternal reward corresponds to how we function now. It's as if God is saying, because you've shone your light in this life to glorify me to others, I will cause you to shine the light of my glory for all eternity like a star. Philippians 2, Paul says, become children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the dark world. And how do you shine? By holding forth the word of life. This verse proves we shine by holding forth God's word, but we must back up our words by a holy life that's without fault. People receive God's life through the word of God that we share, not through our works. Isaiah 59 is a prophecy of the new covenant and how the, the blessing is passed from person to person. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them, my spirit which is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth or from the mouth of your descendants or descendants, descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. So in other words, by speaking words, the power of the Spirit upon is released and people get saved and then they pass it on from generation to generation. And this goes straight into Isaiah 60, which then says, go ahead and open your mouth. He says, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. This is the Spirit upon you. When you shine the glory in the spirit realm, the glory of God shines out of you. The glory of God is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And so people will be drawn to God through your witness, through your light. This shows that we shine in the darkness by speaking God's words in the power of the Spirit. And for our witnessing to be effective, for us to shine in the darkness of this world, we have to do it in the power of the Spirit. We need the two things, the spoken word and the Spirit upon us. Uh, that we get when we're baptized in the Spirit. The Spirit upon is described as the glory upon. And we have His glory upon us in order to shine for the people who are in the darkness. So that as we shine His light by declaring His word to the world, then they can come to the light. Such is the power of that light that many get drawn to it. It says many will come and receive Christ.
And so we are commanded to shine the light of the gospel by receiving the Spirit within us and then putting our, His word on our lips. Corinthians says, If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, you see, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. That's The shining is the gospel. For if we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And then it describes what happens when we share the gospel. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So in other words, when we share the gospel, we shine the light. And the light goes with the word of God and shines into the darkness of people's hearts and they come to faith. That's how we release the power of God. And then he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. In other words, if we have the Spirit of God upon us, it's not our power. It's God's power. So we don't necessarily feel that power all the time. Well, we don't, because it's not of us, it's of God. But the Spirit of God, the power, rests upon us. We are carriers of that power you see. And, and it's not of us, it's of God, but we carry it. And then we release it when we share the gospel. And so the gospel is so that the excellency of the power is in the words of the gospel and it's in the spirit of God upon us. And that we uh, share the gospel and that light then shines out of us and the power goes forth uh, with the word of God, turning them from darkness to light, from heaven, from hell to heaven. It's his spirit that causes us to shine when we speak his word. As we speak the words of God, the power of his spirit is released with our words. And that is something that we need to have faith, that when we actually speak God's word, we must believe, not by our feelings, but by faith, that as we speak, the spirit of the Lord that is upon us is released in power. And the words penetrate into their hearts and bring life and light. God has put his spirit upon us. When we're baptized in the spirit, we have received power. It's dunamis power. It's potential power. It stays inactive until we release it. But when we speak the wit the wit our witness and the word of the gospel, that activates the power and it goes forth with our words and changes their hearts. I trust this series on the baptism in the Holy Spirit has been exciting to you. And if you want to know more about this, I've preached this uh, in my church and we have eight CD messages. These are longer messages that uh, almost uh, an hour that I've preached in church. And uh, I believe that this will give you even more uh, insight into the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Eight CDs uh, and that will be a great blessing to you. Thank you for watching. Join with us at Oxford Bible Church every Sunday at 11am Greenwich Mean Time for our live stream service. Or join us at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, ox 37 qh You can watch more of our teachings on our Roku channel and Derek Walker's YouTube channel. All Derek Walker's books are available in printed and Kindle versions in all Amazons worldwide or online with other great products where you can also support our programs at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.